My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Church. If you don't know me and you what is I think you have one more week with me after this week and then um, Pastor David will return and be preaching for us. And that would be very great. And I look forward to it. And so we're we're continuing in the series of Mark that we started last week and um, the staff um, got together and it's called it uh, the way the series that we're in. And so here we are. We're in Mark chapter one. And we're scheduled to do some verses, and we'll see how many we get through. If you know me very well, we don't get very far, as far as I hope that we would get. Um, So we're in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. And I'm going to pray one more time, just because I need it, even if you don't. (laughs) Jesus, I pray that you would help me speak your truth today. I pray that it would be yours, that anything that's said from just me would be quickly forgotten by everyone here. And that, and the stuff that's said that's from you, would it stick to us? Would it get into the very core of who we are, who I am? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so verse 14, um, we're just going to get into it. And it says this, after John was put in prison, and we're going to stop there. Don't get very far with me. <laughs> so John was put in prison, that, that language in prison right there. If, if you remember from last week, if you were here, we talked about Mark uh, leaving breadcrumbs for us. Mark is very economical in the way that he writes. He chooses words with a purpose. He's not super flowy and poetic like the Gospel of John. He doesn't waste a single word. He's economical in it. And he's kind of in a hurry. He's like, and then Jesus did this, and then Jesus healed this person. And then, and the words that he uses for things breadcrumb us, lead us to the themes and what's important for Mark as we go through it. And so this word here, um, in prison, in the original language that this was written in is the word handed over. Everybody say handed over. Handed over. So John, Jesus' cousin, the forerunner of Jesus was handed over. This word is used some ten times in reference to Jesus himself. And the, ne- the, the next time that it's used for Jesus is in Mark chapter 9, verse 31. And it says this. Jesus said to the disciples, the Son of Man is going to be del- delivered into the hands of men. That's handed over. They will kill him and after three days he will rise which is really good news, by the way, verse 32. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. That's the next time it's used to hand it over. And it's used another nine times about Jesus. And especially in chapters 14 and 15 in Mark about Jesus being handed over to the authorities, handed over to be crucified, handed over to be beaten, handed over to be handed over. I think about that word today, handed over, and I think... And I know that I don't know your stories. I don't know all of them. I don't know what kind of week you had. I don't know what kind of year it's been for you. But the good news of this little breadcrumb for us today is that this word handed over in the very next statements, in the middle of John being handed over, Jesus is going to invite you and I and all of creation to the good news of his kingdom. That there is good news in God to be had, even in the midst of being handed over. 
That is good news for me. And I hope it's good news for you today. Because when my when we found out my wife had cancer and she was going through cancer treatment, the good news showed up in our lives. Cancer didn't get fixed right away. And yet Jesus and his good news and his kingdom showed up in a hospital, showed up while she was even getting chemo in a conversation with my sister-in-law. It showed up the good news of Christ and it can show up in your life, too. That there is good news even in the midst of being handed over. And even for, for Mark in the gospel, like that's where good news shows up the best and the most. Is even as Jesus is being handed over to be crucified, we see in that space what real love looks like. Even in the middle of being handed over. Anybody being handed over this week? Relationally, emotionally, just feel like somehow you're being handed over to fear, handed over to self-hatred, handed over to doubt, handed over, handed over to a job once again that you can't stand, handed over to a boss who doesn't appreciate you, handed over to a marriage that's tough right now, handed over to a relationship with a child that you can't figure out, handed over, yes, There are moments where we're handed over, but the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ is just as present even in the seasons of handed over. Yeah, sometimes we get handed over. But the good news of the gospel is that it's not based on my circumstance or yours. It's not even based on my feelings or your feelings about me. It's not based on whether things are going our way or things aren't. It's not based on what kind of check we got in the mail. It's not based on how we're treated or how we're not treated. It is based on Jesus himself who is the embodiment of the good news, who loves you, who died for you, who has forgiven you, who offers grace for you, who invites you to a new way of life, no matter what you've done or haven't done. It is always good news. Always. Never changes. During the, the series on the kingdom that, that we did and that you joined me in a little bit towards the end of that kingdom series, I took, by the way, I took like, I don't know, 15 weeks, it felt like, on the kingdom of God and I still didn't have enough weeks for it, so um, that's just how it is with me. But in the middle of that series, I was reading The Hiding Place, um, a book written by Corey Ten Boom, and I shared a little bit with you, and I want to share a little bit again, because it has it directly has to do with this handed over. Corey Ten Boom was an unknown, insignificant, middle-aged woman in Holland who wasn't married, had no kids. She just helped her dad out with his watchmaker business on some random corner in Holland. Dad, not super popular other than for just being kind to everyone. He was a follower of Jesus, too. And in the middle of that, the Nazi regime comes, takes over Holland, conquers them and begins to enslave the people, begins to to Nazify them, if you will. I just made up that word. Hopefully it's all right. 
but just just politicize them and push and force them into their liking. And in the middle of that, the, the Ten Boom family began to smuggle Jews, smuggle those those outsiders, those who were being mistreated through their home and protect them. She gets caught. She gets caught, Corey and her sister and her whole family, her sister Betsy. They get thrown into a Nazi concentration camp. And there's three or four camps in now. And she has suffered for just trying to help outsiders, just trying to bring peace to people who weren't given any, just trying to protect and value people no matter what they believe or who they are. And now she's in a concentration camp with her sister Betsy and her Betsy through sickness. They've seen death. They've prayed for those who were oppressing them, even the soldiers who were abusing them. They've been praying for them. They've been smuggling Bibles in and holding Bible studies. They've been doing what I can't imagine myself doing. In the middle of that, Betsy is now sick and on her deathbed, she's on a cot in the middle of a big just warehouse room where they just put people to die. Corey sneaks in. Corey sneaks in to have one more conversation with her sister, Betsy. And this is what goes down in that conversation. I want to read it for you. They place the stretcher on the floor, and this is Corey talking, and I leaned down to make out Betsy's words, and she said this. Must tell people what we have learned here, Corey. Must tell them that there is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. There is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. There is no handed over too great that Jesus is not greater. Betsy, Betsy died. That was a great place for an amen. Thank you. And amen, if you don't know, just means, yeah, he is. <laughs> Betsy died days later. Corey went on to offer the forgiveness and grace of Jesus to even her captors in Germany. Because there is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. We could stop right there and have a really good rest of the day. But I'm only like four words in. Now you're counting the words and realize that I can't count very well. It's fine. Me and Chipo, we don't count well. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Jesus went into Galilee. <laughs> I got to stop there. We don't get very far. Jesus went into Galilee. Galilee. If you don't know, like, what's going on for those who know this area and who lived this, in this area in Jesus' day, Galilee was an insignificant area. The best of the best Jewish folks and leaders did not live or make a home in Galilee. No, right? They lived in Jerusalem. They lived in the Mecca of power and authority. They lived there. And it says here that the Son of God, the creator of the, 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 the embodiment of the creator of all things, the image of the invisible God, after he conquers Satan, which is what we talked about last week, after he overcomes temptation in the desert over the evil one, goes now to start his ministry into insignificant Galilee. This is one of the things that I love about Jesus and one of the things that just frustrates me all at the same time. There's this theme in Mark 
that we will witness together if we witness it, if we witness Mark well. There's this theme in Mark that 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 you notice is you watch Jesus teach and preach. You notice who gets it and who doesn't. Who gets it and who doesn't. And typically the people who get it, the people who go, oh, Jesus, you are the Messiah. The people who are like, yeah, more of Jesus. Woo, yes. Those people are typically the people who are insignificant. Oh, yeah. They're the ones who there's kind of in the alleyways. These conversations happen kind of in the in the backwoods, kind of kind of in the places like Galilee, the places where the, the people of power, might and authority don't dwell are the very people who go, Jesus, woo, yes, come, come to my home, come, come and meet my friends, come. And, and as we witness that, we witness at the very same time, the big city folk. The people of great power and might and authority don't get it. They don't get it. In fact, they're the ones who put Jesus on a cross. All the way through Mark, we see it. It's like so clear. It's like Mark is economical in how he's teaching and it's just so clear. And, and, and I love that. I really do. I love that. And yet... I feel weird about it. And here's where I feel weird about it, personally. Here's the best way that I can explain it. So, uh, when I was uh, in junior high, my, my junior high uh, was 7th, 8th, and ninth grades. That's not how we do it here. But it was 7th, 8th, and ninth grades. And the reason it was 7th, 8th, and ninth grades is because we only had one high school in my town. And our town was exploding with numbers. And high, our high school couldn't even fit 10th, 11th, and 12th who were in that town. So, they had pushed all the ninth graders into the junior highs. So I'm in junior high, I'm a ninth grader, but I just happen to be, basketball is not a big deal, but I just happen to be good enough at basketball to play on the varsity team for the high school instead of for the junior high. So, so I got called up to the varsity team, and in the middle of that, I would get bussed from my junior high before school was out to the high school, show up as a junior hire, and play on the varsity team with the varsity guys. Now, if you are a senior on that varsity team, how do you think your experience was of freshmen, junior higher, showing up to take minutes from your games? How do you think that was experience was for those seniors? I got in a fight almost every other day in practice, and none of them were created by me. <laughs> I mean, it was tough year for little Brian. Little Brian was like, I really love this game, but I'm not sure if I want to keep playing it, because... Because the seniors were trying to get me to realize you don't belong here. This is not how we do things. You do not take our minutes. And yeah, we can't tell coach what to do, but we're going to weed you out. Yeah, that's what happened. And that's a little bit what happens in Mark. See, the problem for those who are in power and authority, like the seniors on my high school basketball team, is that when someone comes in and starts to suggest something different, we go, Rah! no, I don't know where that came from, but, but we go, no, we don't want it different. Stop it. Stop it. And it's a little bit like Lord of the Rings where it's like, no, it's mine. My precious, right? The seniors were like, no, this playing time is mine. It's my precious little fresh fish. Get out of here. You don't belong. This ring is mine and my own. Right? I'm sorry. I like Lord of the Rings. I could stay there for a little while. 
Oh, don't encourage me. You don't want that. You have no idea what you're doing. Don't encourage me. So, so what happens for us today? All that being said, we live, you and I, in the greatest superpower presently in the world. You and I, most of us have pretty decent homes compared to most of the world. We have cars. I have a nice car. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, I'm of the elite of the world. If you didn't know that, so are you, most of you. And so here we are in the elite, in positions of power. And you may not feel that, like, in your day-to-day life, but, but we are. And, 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 we, and some of us, like, we are bosses and we own companies. And some of, many of us in here are educated. If you're not, by the way, don't feel bad. Because in God's kingdom, it doesn't matter whether you're educated or not. Everybody has the same value. But, it, but, but some of us are educated in here, so we carry that in too. And we are in positions of power. And so what are we then as we read Mark? Sometimes we're the ones that Jesus starts messing with and we go, ah, stop it. No, it's my own. It's my precious. Right? We... Don't know. I'm going to no, I'm going to know. This is just how you you teach your employees, Jesus. No, no, this is just and we all have our little ways of wielding power, do we not? And Jesus comes to mess with all that. With all that here. And with all that there. And it's not just in like political systems and, and being an American, but it's also personally, isn't it? Isn't it personally? Last week we talked about a record and I didn't bring I mean, it's sitting over there, but I didn't bring it out because I smudged it and I don't want to smudge it again because it's not my record. The guy who owns it was like, stop, smudge, please. Oh, and he was like, no, don't look because I like ruined his record last week. But so there's grooves in that record and we've all been grooved in certain ways to live life to wield our power, to think about others, to, to call, oh, no, you're an outsider and you don't belong. And, oh, oh, no, you, oh, no, you're not like us, so you're not invited. And all these ways that we've been grooved, and we even have been grooved in ways that we relate personally to each other, right? And how I relate to my family, ways that I, I manipulate. And I use my power, I use my, my dadship to manipulate my kids to do the right thing instead of just loving them and inviting them and caring for, right? Don't we... Don't we do those things with our power? We do, we do that in spouses, with spouses. We do that from kids to parents and parents to kids. We, we wield our power and we manipulate and we say, how dare you? How could you? And then they say, how dare you? How could you? And then we, we get in these power struggles that have very little to do with the life and death of Jesus. We get in these political systems and and we, we, we get in these like, we're America and we're better than everybody else. And, and, and it, 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 it doesn't have a lot to do with the life and death of Jesus. Do you know, do you know what my goal as a pastor to you is? And, and my, my grandfather served, served in World War II. My dad served in Vietnam. I, I'm thankful for my freedom. And my, my, my family has bled for that. But there is a kingdom that's more important than any other kingdom of this world. And it's the kingdom of Jesus. That that citizenship trumps every other citizenship that we hold. 
then my goal as your pastor is, is to teach you how to not be an American who happens to go to church, but to be a follower of Jesus who happens to live in America. Oh, and can you feel it right now? Oh, you're messing with it. Ah! <laughs> I know. I know, because Jesus messes with my stuff. And I'm like, ah, ah, no. He messes with what kind of spouse I am. Do, do, I, do I just do the dishes so that my wife will do something back for me? Just so I can get a kiss later? Really, is that why I serve? Or there is some greater kingdom at work in my family. (laughs) Some greater reality that says, man, I want to sacrificially love even if there's nothing in it for me. (laughs) That is the kingdom that you and I are invited to be citizens in. It's very different than any other kingdom of this world. And so I see this, 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 this word, Jesus went into Galilee. (laughs) Yeah, and all that came out of that. Yes. And more. (laughs) Because if you feel insignificant today, if you have felt like consistently which one of these is not like the other and you're the other, this kingdom of Jesus is inviting you to have full citizenship and full honor and full worth in his kingdom And you're like, well, that's not what this American culture does with me because I'm not pretty enough or because I'm not this or because I'm not that or because whatever. Well, yeah, that's that kingdom. That's not Jesus's kingdom. Jesus's kingdom says, come on. You don't talk like some other folks. Don't matter. Come on. Oh, you started with a different language. Don't matter. Come on. Oh, you were born in a different country. Don't matter. Come on. Oh, you don't dress like ever. Don't matter. Come on. Oh, what it even goes to like what you did last week. Some of you feel so insignificant in God's kingdom because you have sin in your life and you know it. And in Jesus kingdom, we don't earn our way in. In Jesus kingdom, the invitation is given to all, whether you are holy or not. The invitation is given. Come on. Jesus says. Oh, yeah, Jesus knows what you did last week and he's inviting you into his kingdom anyways. Yeah. Come on. Well, that's not been my experience with churches, Brian. Well, sometimes even churches don't line up with Jesus's kingdom because we go. No, don't mess with that. Jesus. No, that's ours. Right. We do. I do that. I've done that. And yet his kingdom is still better than any other kingdom we've ever heard about or seen. Yeah, Galilee. Yeah, insignificant Galilee. Yep. Jesus goes to the highways and the byways and the back corners. On purpose. And I love, lastly, that in Jesus' kingdom, there are now no more outsiders. Every kingdom has outsiders. In Jesus' kingdom, everyone is invited to the table to eat. Man, I could stop there again. We could go home feeling pretty good about today. So Jesus went into Galilee. 
All right, I'm going to finish a sentence today. Proclaiming the good news of God. And he said this, verse 15. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Basically, what that means is he's talking about spatially near. So he's literally saying the kingdom of God is here because I'm here. Jesus is saying Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom, who he loves, what he says, how he serves is the kingdom. And if you as we go through Mark, you're going to witness a kingdom that is so good because Jesus is so good. You're going to be like, oh, man, this is incredible. Could a kingdom really be this good? Yes, because it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So it says the time has come. He said the kingdom of God has come near. It's here right now in me. Jesus is saying repent and believe the good news. Now, if you hear kingdom, you're going to think and we got about we got at this just a little bit just now. But I want to get into it a little bit more. You're going to think if you're the original reader of this text, you're going to think you're going to hear kingdom and you're going to think because of all the teachings and all of like the religious leaders and everything. Who's in and who's out then? That's the first question. Okay, am I in or am I out? First question that's going to come to your mind as an original reader of this text when you hear kingdom. And for, for, for this day, for the Jews in this day, it was taught that you needed five things. Everybody hold up a five. I'm going to make sure you're awake today. Not everybody did, but I can't do anything about it. You win. Five, right? You win, you rebels, you. I like you. Five. Five things. Five things. First thing. Here we go. First thing. You had to be Jewish. So if you're not Jewish in here today, you're out. Sorry. You're out. Good, Brian. I was waiting for you to dismiss me because I want to get lunch early. (laughs) Well, you're welcome then. Second thing, you had to be male. So ladies, sayonara. Yeah, you had to be a male. Now, I'm talking about Jesus' day. I'm not talking about for real right now. Okay, just settle down. Everybody settle down. You had to be Jewish. You had to be male. Third thing. Yeah, you had to be healthy. You had to be healthy. And why did you have to be healthy? Because if you weren't healthy or if you had a child who wasn't healthy... It was assumed that you had some hidden sin in your life. And so God was punishing you. So you can't get in because God's obviously got an issue with you. So you're not in. So you're out. Fourth one. You couldn't be poor. You couldn't be poor because the poor, it was assumed, were out because they had some hidden sin. And so that's why they didn't have enough money or they weren't born in the right family. And so obviously they're not in either. So you couldn't be poor. So that's number four. And the fifth thing is you had to follow the letter of the law. Now, this isn't just the Ten Commandments. This is the some 400 rules and regulations that the Jewish people came up with in order to never break the Ten Commandments. That's a lot of rules. Anybody want to start trying to memorize those? 400. I can't remember my own home address. 400 rules and regulations like, okay, so that's the five. So we're all out. (laughs) Can we just get we're all out? I'm out. You're out. What? Why are we here today? (laughs) We're here today because Jesus. Broke all of them. All of them. He he rewrit the whole script. Yeah. See, for Jesus's kingdom, it's not based on human effort. That's not why you get invited. You don't get invited because you can bring. Look at all of these good holiness things that I have brought to you, King Jesus. You're welcome. And you're welcome because you want me in your service. You're welcome. Did I mention you're welcome? Look what all I've done for you is pretty good, right? 
I'm pretty holy, right? No, no, that's not, you don't get invited. You don't, there's not some qualifications that you meet. What's the qualification? Are you human? Are you breathing? Did you hear the good news? Then you're invited. That is so good for us. Because we make it about earning, don't we? I mean, Jesus, Jesus served and there were disciples who were women. We've talked about that in here before. That one's gone. Ladies, can I get an amen? amen. I mean, the first people to recognize, to experience the resurrection of Jesus were not men. They were women. And by the way, there were women at the cross and there was only one disciple who was male. I mean, the women. Yeah. Yeah. In the kingdom. So Jewish Jesus. Jesus ministered to and sent his disciples out to the Gentile world. That's why we're here today. The sick. Yeah, we will go through Mark and we recognize Jesus bringing the presence of God on purpose to those who are sick and healing them. Just flat out healing them. That is not. Oh, well, you know, you're sick, so it must be some sin and you have to pay your penance first. No, man, that's grace. And how good is that word for me? Is my spouse gets cancer. And there are people who might say, well, you know, the Lord's testing you, brother. Well, he only gives this, this kind of stuff to those who are strong enough to handle it. That is not God's kingdom, by the way. We live in a broken world that there is sickness and it comes to us all. But even in the middle of the sickness, there is the good news of Jesus, even when we're being handed over. Do you remember that? So that one's gone. The poor, if you get anything out of the Gospels, you know that Jesus hung out with the poor every day. In fact, he invited the poor to be in his inner circle of 12. I mean, we got that all wrong, man. And isn't that so good that we got it, that, that, that it is wrong? <laughs> that everyone has worth no matter what economic standing you have or bring? Uh The letter of the law. All have fallen short of the glory of God. I have. You have. The good news of Jesus is that forgiveness and grace and mercy is because of what he's done and not because of what you've done. That was a good place for an amen. Are you guys awake this morning? That's like ridiculously good. Some of you have just like, oh, yeah, man, I know that. No, but seriously, I know it, too. And it still shocks me because I know my own sin. Do you know yours? Man, because I know how I'm grooved and I know how there are times there's so many times where it doesn't line up with Jesus kingdom. And I come to him and he's still like. Let me teach you. Let me show you. It's OK. I love you. Let's try this again. Yeah, but Jesus, I missed it. I know. I know. And that's what we get to in the very next sentence. Repent and believe the good news. In the original language as we close today, that repent is repent and keep on repenting. It's not a singular moment in history. It's believe and keep on believing. And so what does that mean for you and me? That means this is a way of life. My uh, my oldest daughter, she's nine. I was the officiant to a wedding for a couple of my friends last night and we were out late and we were at the, you know, the the post, you know, wedding party. And I don't remember what's that called. Anybody? What? 
Reception? Sweet. I was going to say rehearsal. No, that's the night before, and I can't. Words are hard for me. I can't remember. And I communicate for a living. God has a sense of humor, I'm telling you. And so we're there, and it's late, and my, my kids are tired, but they're playing, and they're rambunctious. You know how kids get when they're really tired? You get, like, a little more rambunctious than normal. And so I'm playing with them at the table, and we're like, we're like uh, I'm tickling her, and all of a sudden, not out of anger or anything, she just wads up a fist and just, pow! Right in my nose. And literally, it was like, Kum! Like, she knocked my head back. And I was like, did you just punch me? And in that moment, she went, you know, because she didn't, she's like, wait, no, I love you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I just, nah, you know, little kid, you, you can't control, you know, it just happened. And part of me thought, that's a good punch, baby. You're going to need that when you start dating. <laughs> nah, this is a good thing, Colin. This is a good thing. You got two girls, too. Just, yeah. And the other part of me was like, okay, how, how am I going to handle this? I'm tired too. You know, I'm, I'm worried about what I'm going to say today and I hadn't worked on it enough yet. And it was just all those things. So I, so I lean in, I whisper to her, what do we, so what do we do now, baby? What do we do? And she turns and she stops, she thinks for a minute and tears are streaming down her face and she goes, pow, and punches her own face. Right? Because that's what little kids do, right? Like, I'm going like, to make up for it. Like, I'm, I've hurt you, and now I'm going to hurt myself to earn your grace back. Right? That's what we do. And we don't grow out of that mess, do we? We don't grow out of that, do we? You're good church folk, and I know that you don't grow out of it because you're church folk. You think that somehow over time it's still about you earning and you, 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 you just grasping and you. No, man, this whole thing is always meant to be about receiving and thanksgiving and joy, just saying thank you. That's what this whole response is about. Not, oh, I'm sorry, I punched Jesus. I need to punch myself in the face. I need to somehow earn back into your graces. I know you're mad at me again. Somehow I need to. No, Jesus is like, yeah, the kingdom is for you. You're invited and this is how it works. You repent, you keep on repenting. That doesn't mean you need to get saved every day. It means that when you notice your groove is off and the song of your life is playing not the song of the kingdom, you repent. So what happened with my daughter? She punched herself in the nose and I was like, baby, that's not what we do. And she's like, oh, good, because that hurts. It was incredible. I'm not making, I can't make this stuff up. She said, Daddy, because my nose hurts now. I was like, yeah, mine hurts too. What do we do? (laughs) And she stops and she thinks for a second. And I was like, come on, baby, what do you do with sissy? And she goes, oh, Daddy, I'm sorry. Yeah, baby, that's what we do. Yeah. We confess. And we receive the good news of the kingdom. And I said, baby, I forgive you. And that was a pretty good punch, by the way. (laughs) And we hugged and everything was restored. That is the kingdom of Jesus. We repent and we keep on. We notice we're off. And I know what happens to you because it happens to me when we notice we're off. And Jesus starts messing with our with our marriages and with our parenting and with our 
how for you're a kid and how to, how you relate to your parents. Because I know what we do when he starts messing with us. Because we go, ah, no, ah, it's mine. It's my precious. No, I'm not going to do that, Jesus. No, I'm not going to humble myself. No, I'm... But the way of the kingdom is... Okay. I'm going to believe and keep on believing, Jesus, that your kingdom is the good news of life. That the destruction stops here. That there is hope for my family and for my marriage. That there is hope for me and my parents. That there is hope even at my job. That there is hope in my extended family. That there is hope for my neighbors. That there is hope for a broken world who can't find any. Yes, there is good news. As we repent and keep on repenting. And believe and keep on believing. See, even as a church body, sometimes we still get in these grooves, right? Where we're kind of, ah, with outsiders. With people who aren't like us, well, we're kind of, I don't know if I'm going to hang out with uh, Muslims. I don't know if I'm going to, we're still there at times. And yet, church, could we take a journey together where we repent and keep on repenting and believe and keep on believing that the peace of Christ is for everyone and not just for me and you? Why is that? Because it's the good news. Better than any other news. As the worship team comes forward, and I've taken up all of our time once again. There's a section of scripture, verse 16 through verse 20, that I haven't gotten to. And it's just simply Jesus calling his first disciples. You know, the elite, the A-listers, nope, the average Joe Fisherman. If you're feeling average today, if you hear a message like this and you think, wow, man, I've been missing Jesus' kingdom. I've been average as a follower of Jesus. Guess who calls you and invites you to his inner circle of faith. Jesus. You might say, Brian, I don't know enough about the word for my family to change. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I haven't. You don't know what I've been doing. You know, I know this, that Jesus invites you today to dwell in his kingdom because he's not worried about what qualifications you bring because he's going to teach you as you follow. He's going to mess up your grooves as you follow. And all we got to do is repent and keep on repenting and believe and keep on believing. So will you do that with me? Because I'm right there with you. And I feel like such an average pastor so much of the time. Oh, my goodness. You guys clap for us. And I'm like, this could have been somebody else better that you hired. And yet, what does Jesus do with me? Brian, you're right where I want you. I love you. I've got a plan for you. 
I'm using you, and I'm not stopping. Just repent and keep on repenting. Just believe and keep on believing, Brian. Come on. And he says it to you today. And so as we sing a last song, there's going to be a couple people who help me serve communion. You don't have to partake today, but if this is how you would like to respond as we close, just to remember as you hear the invitation of Jesus to you today, whether you feel ordinary or forgotten or an outsider, you are invited. Whether you are elite, the best of the best, and Jesus is messing with your stuff, we all come to this table remembering that Jesus has invited all of us to his forgiveness and grace that's represented in his body and his blood and the juice and the bread that was shed on the cross, inviting all of us home with him. So come as we sing.